You're listening to the Fangirls Library with Kristen and Michelle. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. Check us out on our social media and Goodreads. Our handle is the Fangirls Library. You can also check out our sister audio fanfic podcast for more great content, including recordings of your favorite fanfics. If you're interested in more great Fangirls content, check out our Patreon. Hello, Michelle. Hey, Kristen. So what have you been up to? I mean, spooky season is, well, by the time people listen, we'll be done. Yes. But we are recording in the middle of October. Yes. So spooky season is in full swing. Yes, it is. And I am enjoying the outdoor Halloween decorations uh, where Mm -hmm. I am right now. I Mm -hmm. am dog sitting for some friends. Mm -hmm. Hey, Matt and Tucker. (laughs) And uh, they, if I had a yard, I mean, if I could have a yard, this is why I would want one Mm -hmm. for Halloween. Mm -hmm. I don't really care all that much about the Christmas decorations, but they have like a small graveyard in the front and like the spooky Halloween fences mm-hmm. and spooky orange lighting. And oh, did I mention the 12 foot mummy skeleton <laughs> that's animatronic and moves and like spider web and hanging ghosts and a giant spider. And I love it so much. We were at Menards today and I was just like, they have all the Halloween stuff still up and then right next to it's all the Christmas stuff. And I'm like, it's way too soon. I know. Way too soon for any of that. Much like it's way too soon for the snow we got today. Oh, raise your hand if you didn't want to wake up to an inch of snow and complete ground cover. <laughs> Me. Yeah. And then it's been raining all day. Yeah. yeah. And now all the snow is gone because it warmed up to, uh, well, now it says 38, but I saw it got all the way to 40 earlier. Ooh. So. Nice, nice. I know. So have you been watching anything fun? Yes. I took about a week and got through Mike Flanagan's new show. Mm. Um, The Midnight Club dropped on Netflix, uh, I think think a week ago today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I watched a couple episodes a night um, and went through the full season and very much enjoyed um, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's different from the, the haunting of mm-hmm. series yeah. that he did Hill House and Bly Manor, and it's different than Midnight Mass, but still very much like you can tell it's Mike Flanagan. Yes. And, uh, you know, I even had to chuckle because well, I can't think of the actor's name, but Elliot shows up in mm-hmm. one of the episodes, you know, the same, mm-hmm. those same cast members. So Yes, including um, shout out to Matt Bedell, who I went to school with, who's now fully immersed in the Flanagan verse. He's done Midnight Mass and Midnight Club now. So who uh, who did he play in Midnight Club? He is. I can't think of her name. The father, like the well, foster dad of. Oh, yeah. The main girl. Yeah. Yeah. He um, he looks like Hopper. He does. He does look like Hopper. I, you could tell him, you'd be like, yeah, my friend Michelle, like when she started watching, I had to stop and go, what? Oh, wow. That's not yeah. Hopper. It's uncanny. Yeah. 
Midnight Club is really good. I'm not quite done with it, but I, I have been enjoying it. I read the books. I used to read the Christopher Pike books. So I'm intrigued. I'd like to mm-hmm. like to read them. What have you been watching? Anything fun? Um, we finished She-Hulk yesterday nice. with the final episode, which was so good. Like totally breaking the fourth wall. It was amazing. I've um, seen little uh, yeah. smatterings of that on social media. Yeah. No, she, the, the chick who plays She-Hulk is pretty awesome. Um, Tatiana Masley. Yes. Yes. Love her. And Renee Lee Scoldsbury shows up in She-Hulk, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, what else name are... dropping over here. Like yes. I know them. <laughs> hey, I did briefly dress her in the color purple. I will claim that. I'll claim my connection to Renee Lee Goldsbury. Claim away. Yes. Um, what else have we been watching? Um, it's been a weird week for us with work stuff. So we haven't watched a lot. Um, oh, I am fully caught up on my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is just crazy season. Ah, what? Kathy needs to get with the program. Yeah. And I mean, and... <laughs> I can't tell like the whole Lisa thing. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something. I know. Um, but I am excited. Uh, Halloween ends comes out today, which I'm so excited to watch. I probably won't get to watch it tonight, but um, it's definitely on my list. Probably won't watch it till the first of the week because, you know, opera stuffs. Um, yes. And also the new Knives Out movie came out on Netflix oh. today. I didn't know that came out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew it was coming out, but I didn't know it was today. I knew about Halloween ends. And I really want to see the one that just recently came out, Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looks looks very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did watch um, on Netflix last week, uh, Mr. Something's Phone. Um, I oh, what was it called? Saw, um, and I was flipping for something to watch last night. It turned on Tell Me Lies and it just sort of ran in the background. I really didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. But I I saw it. I was like, I was flipping between Tell Me Lies and this Mr. Something. Mr. Herring, Mr. Harrigan's phone. Yes. And it it was good. Um, it's based off a of Stephen King, I think, short story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I watched that nice. last week. I mean, it's all the good programming. Comes on, and I mean, if you're if you're like me and in the fanfic world, it's Ficktober, where authors release a story a day for the whole month of October. And I have about six people I follow, so every day there's like six exciting fix in my email. Why do we have to have jobs? Why does money <laughs> exist? Why can't I just stay home and read things and watch I things mean, and eat just, snacks? You just need to do a wardrobe job where you have time backstage to read. Or sell pictures of my feet online. There you go. I mean, why not? <laughs> note to self. <laughs> I mean, if my feet were more attractive, I, I would consider it. I I don't have attractive feet <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would love to get um, paid just to, that'd be amazing. Yes. Well, someday. Goals, but right? As far as reading, we are going to talk about books today. We are. So we read This Town Sleeps by Dennis E. Staples. Uh, Mr. Staples is a Minnesota-based author from Bemidji. He graduated from the Institute of American Indian Arts with an MFA in fiction, 
He is a graduate of the 2018 Clarion West Writers Workshop and a recipient of the Octavia E. Butler Memorial Scholarship. Uh, he has appeared in a science fiction and nightmare magazine of name I'm going to butcher. Asimov's. There we Isaac go. Isaac Asimov's. Um, he is a member of the Red Lake Nation, and this is his first book that he has written and published. Yeah. It, um, I was thinking to wet everyone's whistle, maybe read the inside book oh, liner. Yeah, yeah so this is, go for it. This is what it says. Uh, and I'm going to apologize in advance because some of these names I'm going to be fine with. And some of them people are mm -hmm. going to go, it's not even close. Yes. So my apologies. Um, on an Ojibwe reservation called Langwa Lake within the small town of Geshig at the hub of the res, two men enter into a secret romance. Marianne Laforine, a mid-twenties gay Ojibwe man, begins a relationship with his former classmate, Shannon, a heavily closeted white man. While Marion is far more open about his sexuality, neither is immune to the realities of the lives of gay men in small towns and closed societies. Then one night, while roaming the dark streets of Geshig, Marion unknowingly brings to life the spirit of a dog from beneath the elementary school playground. The mysterious revenant leads him to the grave of Caden Kelhir, an Ojibwe basketball star who was murdered at the age of 17 and whose presence still lingers in the memories of the townsfolk. While investigating the fallen hero's death, Marion discovers family connections and an old Ojibwe legend that may be the secret to unraveling the mystery he has found himself in. That on a reservation in far northern Minnesota, this town sleeps explores the many ways history, culture, landscape, and lineage shape our lives, our understanding of the world we inhabit, and the stories we tell ourselves to make sense of it all. Nicely worked out. Nicely Thanks. done. I can't talk, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> So we picked this book because we were looking at November and thinking about Native American heritage and, you know, how I think our white ancestors didn't handle things so well, but mm -hmm. we won't dive deep into that part of it. That's um, a whole series of podcasts whole, on its yeah, own. <laughs> whole nother podcast um, that I don't know enough of the history of to even dive into at the moment. I should educate myself more. Uh, and we were also looking at local authors, authors from Minnesota, where we both live. And we came across this book. So, Michelle. Yes. Just a brief, like, overall, what did you think? I liked it. But I'll also be honest, I really wanted to like it more than I did. There were parts of it that, well, let me back up. I think part of my challenge was, I don't know that I'm really the target audience for this. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a cis white female. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not indigenous. I, a gay man. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, those are things that I don't have any lived experience in. So, uh, yeah. I, you know, I get that there may be things that just didn't resonate with me because I don't have the experience. I'm not, you know, those aren't shoes that I've walked in. Um, but there were, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, one of the first things that struck me, and I don't know that it was I, not something that's like 
core to the story, but kind of, I viewed it as a, like an underlying, maybe secondary character was Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, very Minnesota small town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, you know, you're a transplant from Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Um, I primarily grew up in Minnesota. Um, I was born in California and at like 18 months old, we Mm -hmm. moved here. My dad is a West central Minnesota farm kid. And, um, you know, my sister and I did the majority of our growing up in Minnesota, except for two years that we spent in Wisconsin, but we don't like to talk about that. (laughs) Um, and most of my experience growing up was in very small farming communities. Mm -hmm. And we spent time, although I never lived in Northern Minnesota, we lived in Southwestern Minnesota on, as I think most people in Minnesota, you're, you're living on indigenous Mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. And we lived near Pipestone. So very, very small, like 300, 400 population, small Mm -hmm. towns. And a lot of what Dennis writes about in the, the mundane, Mm -hmm. the sort of, these aren't his words, but kind of what I, what I took that, that soul crushing Mm -hmm. boredom in such a, a, a very small town really resonated. I was like, that piece of this, I get the, Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes, I can drive a circle through this town like eight times, you know? Um, and you know where I am right now in 20 minutes, I'm not even halfway home and I'm still in the city, Yeah, (laughs) you know? And I think reading it, that very definitely is a, is a character that informs a lot of what these characters go through. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the challenges of being something that's different mm-hmm. in such a small, closed society. And in a lot of these small towns, in my experience in Minnesota, at least, is the people who live there are people who have lived there for generations. Mm-hmm. And he talks about that. He talks about how, you know, his family, you know, or how his family came to be, and you know, passing this... Um, this home, this cottage through, Mm -hmm. you know, generations. And, you know, my family moved around a lot, but those communities that we lived in, people who, you know, my grandparents built this house and then my parents went to school here and then they went to prom and she was homecoming queen and then they got married and then they moved into that house when Mm -hmm. grandma died and then they had us and, you know, Now I met somebody else's kid at the high school and it's that sort of lived experience. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because the character of Marion, I think both from that area, but also not because he, Mm -hmm. he went away for a while. He did. Yeah. And that, I think that changes you. And I, I saw a lot of that in how he... You know, some of the comments that he made where he did, he didn't really, for much of the story, embrace his Ojibwe, you know, the characters that, you know, mm-hmm. part of that, that, that same, um, the, you know, the, the same, I don't know if, I don't know if nation is the right word, but this, that same, um, that same group. And he's, mm-hmm. he goes through where he sort of rejects the Native American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I really see that, you know, that he struggled to, to, to fit in, which is, 
despite the fact that I may not be the audience, boy, that hit, hit, hit me. I was like, yeah. I know exactly what that feels like. <laughs> I don't know why I was expecting more of a mystery. I went in it into it almost thinking there was going to be some sort of murder mystery involved. <laughs> and even when I first started reading it, I don't know why I was just assuming like Marion was going to like solve, which he does solve a mystery, but like more in the traditional mystery sense. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the mystery we expected him to solve. No, no. And one thing I did, it made me think about how we have treated natives and treated their land mm -hmm. and thinking that like I grew up, I did grow up in major cities, but like I grew up in Orlando, which Florida has a lot of native land. I grew up, I went to college in San Diego, a lot of native land, you know, Fargo, you know, and now Minneapolis, a lot of native land mm -hmm. and just how little I know about their culture. Yeah. Despite the fact of pretty much always living so close to it. I mean, Right. And it's something I don't think we teach enough in school. I don't think we educate people enough on that part of our history. And the what got me with the book was, again, like you, I I, I enjoyed it. It took me a while to get into it. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point, I think maybe halfway through, a little over halfway through, that it really did start grabbing me more. Yeah. Yep. And... I, I did enjoy the fact that he didn't sugarcoat the problems that do exist on reservations, the alcoholism yeah. and how much that runs through. And also the generational mistakes that keep happening over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, the way that he, he did it was just, I mean, you said it great. He doesn't sugarcoat it. it mm -hmm. It's very, you know, very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And in the context of the story, there wasn't blame, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, even the part of the story that talks about, you know, the woman who fell off the wagon, yeah. right. Where she yeah. went, went on a, a pretty severe bender. Mm -hmm. um, the context of, of what happens wasn't shameful. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just very matter of fact, this is almost like just laying bare. This is what our community is mm -hmm. there are you know members of the community who embrace you know their heritage and their culture there are you know you have members uh, you know in in the white community that are you know trying to be supportive and trying to learn you have people who don't want to who mm -hmm. you know don't understand why it's an issue you have people who are you know you know, like he did for a while, the, the character mm -hmm. for a while, just turning, turning your back on, you know, I don't want anything to, to do with this and, you know, those traditions and those cultures and that you still, when you live in that community, you can't, you can't turn your back on it. It's part and yeah. parcel of, of everything. Did you find any trouble with the flow of the book? Like trying to keep track of where you were time period wise and who you were talking about I did or who and he was talking about I like I figured out I have to laugh because I think I figured out about halfway through the book that I had to get over that same because that I think was part of his writing style mm -hmm. there were a mm -hmm. lot of the chapters that started and I'm like I don't know who we're talking about and I'm not sure what part of the story there were a lot of 
you know, seemingly things that didn't connect that mm-hmm. eventually do come together. Yes. But I had a hard time kind of, kind of following that. But now that I've read the whole story, mm-hmm. I actually, I, th- I think I would probably, en- this didn't occur to me until just now. I think I would probably enjoy it a lot more if I read it now. Yes. Again. Yeah. Because I have that knowledge of kind of how everything fits, mm-hmm. fits together and, you know, you yeah, can I, read things differently, but yeah, it was, there were times it was hard. I was like, who, what is this person? Where did this part of the story suddenly come from? How did we get here? I had to start taking it as like, um, all right, this is a slice of life moment. And yes. then, oh, we're back to Marion. Okay. Now I know who we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, this is not like, you know, George R.R. R. Martin level. No, no. Where I had to, you know, the the first time I was reading Game of Thrones and I, mm-hmm. I had to back up because I realized that Reek and Theon were the same person and I had to back up 150 pages because I didn't know when that happened. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, spoilers if you didn't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, you know, and I wonder if that, I mean, because it happened so often, that was, I, I think, clearly an intentional choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... and and there did hit a point where I realized, okay, now I'm up on the families. I know what families we're talking about. Right. I know how they all connect together. And it, and once I made those connections, I did start enjoying the story a lot more. Because mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, now I want to know about that person's past. Where, yes, well, I, I think if I'd realized that earlier on or let go of it earlier on, maybe. Yeah, yeah I think it, I mean, it definitely, it's a the way it's written challenges mm-hmm. the reader to let go of some, the the preconception that a story is going to be completely linear mm-hmm. and the author is going to like, you know, describe the scene before getting into the story. And the life doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you turn the corner and think to yourself, well, what the hell did I just walk into? <laughs> and those types of things happen mm-hmm. in, in the book. And, you know, I'm thinking you know, just now that it's thinking too about the secrets that yes. were kept by these characters kind of mm-hmm. fits into why he was maybe only giving us mm-hmm. little pieces at a time because we were sort of uncovering the mystery that we didn't know was really the mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it hits a lot about those familial relationships mm-hmm. and you know, like trust and betrayal and honesty and, and all of those things that, I mean, we all, we all deal with, okay, maybe I, maybe I'm more of the target audience for this than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So part of the story centers around Marion and some stories from growing up about a um, merry-go-round that has like dog bones underneath of it. And like a ghost of a dog. And Marion one night comes across the ghost of the dog. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that whole part of the story? I, I, it was lost on me how that ghost dog, the the zombie dog, what they call the revenant eventually, yes. yep. sort of came to be. It was just all of a sudden there was another dog there. And I didn't, I didn't grasp how we got from you know, he's walking around the playground thinking about this story and then, oh, zombie ghost dog. And I, 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 I didn't connect it, but that's mm-hmm. also where I thought I did not grow up with stories that, yep. you know, these things happen like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so 
this, I, I, I kind of chalked it up to, this is my just lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't mind the ghost dog story. Cause I mean, I like things a little spooky, you know, mm-hmm. I like the X-Files and all that. And it reminded me of that season, what one episode where they're on the native land with the guy that changes into the wolf. Yes. Reminded me well, of that. And I think when, when we were reading it, I texted mm-hmm. you and I was like, I've seen this supernatural episode yeah. also in yeah. the first season of that, yep. that series where they talk about a, a Wendigo. Yes. Um, and I, for a while I was like, I was thinking about that. Is mm-hmm. this, a, is this like a shapeshifter? Is this, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing? Um, I mean, you know, sad that my knowledge of <laughs> some of these things comes from pop culture, but yes. Um, the one part I didn't, and I still don't know the connection between the the resort that Shannon works at where they were finding the dead animals. Are we mm-hmm. to assume that the zombie, <laughs> the revenant dog was killing those animals? That's that's what I thought. Okay. That the the Leo DiCaprio of the canine world, because every time I read Revenant, all I could think of was that movie. <laughs> Help it. <laughs> that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Like mm-hmm. that was how, you know, people were like, oh, it's, you know, whatever animal. And then Marion, because he knew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that this creature was out there, was the only one who could go, oh, I don't think it is what you think it is. <laughs> Um, but interesting that if it, if it was Mm -hmm. the time he interacted with it, it never did that to him. We do eventually find out why, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I do remember thinking that I'm like, if it is that dog, why is he not going after Mary in the same way that he's going after like all the other little forest creatures? I would say we should just give a spoiler warning. And if people want to read the book and not be spoiled, stop here. Yes. <laughs> because I was going to start going into the, the stuff about Kindle. Um, yes. So if you want to be spoiled, cool. Keep listening. If you don't pause, go read the book, come back. <laughs> um, <laughs> so with Kindle, I mean, the story, part of like the overlining story is Marion ends up the basically his dog leads him to the ghost dog, which leads them to the grave of Kendall, who mm-hmm. was a boy essentially. He was 17, um, older than Marion, who was shot to death in like a gang related incident. Stabbed, right? Stabbed. Sorry, sorry, stabbed to death. Yeah. I don't know where I got shot from. Well, and I thought it was interesting because what I expected, the mystery I expected that would be solved was that he'd uncover the killer. Yes. I thought maybe the person in jail, which was what, Jake? Right. Like maybe he didn't really do it and there was somebody else. Yeah. Nope. No. You meet the killer immediately. Yeah. And when you meet them, they stay the killer. They are the killer. Yeah. (laughs) They they did (laughs) it. Yeah. There's no changing. Yeah. And I was like. And that maybe that was part, like part of it too. I was like, okay, unexpected. This is yeah. not the mystery, mm-hmm. you know. Again, because we're kind of conditioned in that the traditional mystery is, oh, it's not who you think it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and I, the unexpected part of the story was the whole gang thing. Yeah, and it did kind of make me stop and think about, you know, what is that experience growing mm-hmm. up 
in a small town in mm-hmm. a, you know, a, de- a depressed area mm-hmm. on a reservation as an indigenous, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be a, a, a child, to be, you know, a young person. Oh my God, I sound so old, <laughs> you know, to be, to be at that age and, you know, feel like this is what, what you turn to and kind mm-hmm. of the, the consequences of, of that, you know, and, and, you know, I was a kid in a time when everybody was like, Oh, the gangs in the cities. Mm-hmm. And this was interesting. Cause it doesn't, you know, it talks about Minneapolis and it talks, you know, Fargo popped up a whole lot more than I it expected did. it to, but they don't talk about the things that people often associate with big cities. They were talking about it in the context of this mm-hmm. tiny little town. Which I did Google to see if the town existed mm-hmm. and it doesn't. I mean, I'm sure it's based off another town, but right. Right. I was like, oh, is this a real place? I had to chuckle at the end because they, I can't remember the name of the the city that he used, but he talked about the Eel Pout Festival and it's oh, not yep. the right town. <laughs> not, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, familiar with that. Familiar with a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I was also... Like they talked a lot about the um, the meth house that blew up yes, and how it was, you know, they blamed it on basically the guy cooking wrong or whatever, causing an explosion. But yeah. other people didn't believe that because they knew that he knew what he was doing. And then yeah. you do find out towards the end that Kendall's girlfriend, who was at the time pregnant with his baby, basically took his phone and hit it. Mm hmm read through the messages, found out that he was in the gang, found out that he maybe was the one that blew up the home. Or may have been involved, yeah. Or may have been involved. And she erased all that, so no one knew. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think it's kind of a, I have to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to pull up here. The, I bookmarked this actually tonight when I was finishing because it, it, kind of it's the chapter 10 that's called this town sleeps Mm -hmm. so let me find it um and when i think about you know like young people turning to gangs you know using drugs Mm -hmm. there's you know a a lot of drugs and alcohol in the book Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that is part of the reality of the world that we live in right yeah Mm -hmm. but i was thinking about that whole small town thing and this is how this starts and i thought boy this encompasses kind of all of that. So he writes, there's a truth about this town that many live, but few will ever admit. Geshig is the weight that crushes any form of ambition. The sky is the limit, takes on new meaning when it comes to motivating children. By the time children reach middle school, they know there is nothing for them beyond the highway. Small towns don't feel timeless for a love of simpler times their time and purpose in this world left long ago. That mm-hmm. made me stop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, boy, that yeah. is profound and heavy. And I think completely explains why seven-year-old becomes a 13-year-old who smokes weed every day behind, yeah. you know, his buddy's house who becomes mm-hmm. the 15-year-old, you know, meth maker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it, you know, it, it does, it can be, I mean, soul crushing feels really dramatic, <laughs> but there are parts of that experience, I think that become that way. Mm-hmm. And when you're somebody who is on top of living in that, when you are part of a marginalized community, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and, you know, holy cow, if you are somebody who intersects with more than one marginalized community, like Mm -hmm. Marion does, Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's not like, what do you do? How do you escape? Can you escape? I think Marion, I think did maybe recognize how lucky he was in that he had a family who accepted him. Yes. And he was able to leave and it seemed like he got an education and, you know, he came back because of his, the man he was seeing who died Mm -hmm. and he couldn't handle like after the breakup and then the death and everything. So he came back to the town. Um, But he kind of fell back into that status quo life when he did. Right. You know, and you think about the difference in his life and Shannon. Mm -hmm. So the, Mm -hmm. the friend that he, you know, kind of has this thing with and Shannon's very closeted Mm -hmm. and doesn't want to admit it. And he, you know, at the end of the book, Shannon kind of goes through an inner monologue about how he realizes that as hard as it is for him, he, Mm -hmm. he would be happier as, you know, living as an out gay man, but he got to that realization too late, you know, because, you know, and that's tough, but you think about, did he, you know, he kind of alludes to not coming out because uh, he was very unsure of how his family mm-hmm. would respond, how the community would respond. And so he just kind of shoves everything down, mm-hmm. puts his head down. And, you know, here we are, these characters are what, in their 30s? Mm-hmm. And he is working at the same resort that he started working at when he was in high school, doing pretty much the same work. Mm-hmm. You well, know, and I don't want to say that to sound classist and bougie, but it's a, a yeah. little bit that, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and the other thing that was also really sad with Shannon was the fact that his roommate was sexually abusing him. Yeah. And he didn't even realize. And that whole conversation Marion had with his family about what should I do? And they're like, stay out of it. Yeah. And he's like, but I have to do something. I know I keep talking about the whole small town thing, but I think that's very indicative mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. in that in that area. Put your head down go to your job, like be quiet, Mm -hmm. don't get involved, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't know. I, you know, I think there's this idyllic, I, you know, idea that, you know, small towns are all small towns are everybody pulling each other up and Mm -hmm. supporting. And, you know, it's, it's not stars hollow people. No, no, (laughs) you know, it's not. And, and it's, you know, Uh, a cafe that's closed and it's a gas Mm -hmm. station that's only open a few hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it's a post office slash off liquor slash, you know, ATM machine slash convenience store, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And I mean, I mean, your Trevor comes from a town that's like that. The bank and the liquor store were in the same building. My mom also comes from a very small town like that. I mean, the elementary, middle and high school were all in one building. She had... I think there were seven people in her graduating class from high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I remember even in Fargo reading about a town where one of the high school graduating classes was one girl. And I'm like, yeah. you're the only one in your class? Like, what? I, yeah. I ha- I started high school. My class had 900 and something. And we graduated with 554. Yeah. I mean, you know, my small town experience, I graduated with 118 students. Mm -hmm. My mom, who is, hi Louise, 
Um, she's going to love this. She's 79 years old <laughs> and she grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And, you know, at that time, how many mm-hmm. years ago, how many decades ago, yeah. her high school, her class had like mm-hmm. 700 students in it. Yeah. She was like, I didn't know 80% of yeah, like had same. never seen those mm-hmm. people or heard their names. <laughs> same. I also remember just sitting there so surprised, like the thought of, and in a big city, you know, that we started with 900 and something and ended with 554. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where did those other people go? Yeah. Was it, you know, I mean, you can assume it's being held back. It's dropping out. We did have several deaths a year. I mean, when you have mm-hmm. a big high school, it happens. Yeah. Um, we had gang problems and I'm sure some ended up in jail. Um, but, yeah. but you know, I, I think we think, you know, the bigger, the bigger the town, the bigger the city, the bigger the mm-hmm. classes, mm-hmm. you know, the easier it is to be anonymous. But I think, look how, look how anonymous these people mm-hmm. were. Yeah. You know, how they could really hide from one another mm-hmm. when there's only a couple hundred of you. Yeah. And I think that takes a lot more effort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to hide in a small town like that. Yes. You know, to, to pull yourself in and make yourself small and unassuming and, you know, anonymous because everybody's up in everybody's business. Mm-hmm. And ironically, people still knew, mm-hmm. but you know, they, you know, they just didn't talk about it. And, um, you know, but I mean, and he, but I don't want to make it seem like, you know, everything was, was awful. I mean, there were some, you know, there were some humor. Mm -hmm. Um, I, what was the line when he was, he was talking with his mom and he talks about how his mom smokes a lot of weed. Yes. And she was like, (laughs) something to the effect of good brothers don't give their kids marijuana. Mm -hmm. Great ones do. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe my relationship with my mom would have been different if we had smoked a bowl together. Um, you know, well, and like I, those light spots that happened. Yeah. No. And there was another one with Marion about going to his dealer and how he went to the same dealer because it was just easier or something. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you you may not have gotten along when you were in geography together, but it's just easy. You know, I've known you for 20 years and. Well, I was also, and, and this is something that is just was never part of my world. And it's something I heard a lot about on tour because people on tour did it. And like, it's meeting people randomly off dating apps or hookup apps. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that happens a lot, but it's still, every time I read it, I'm like, Oh, it just, it hits me because it's not something that's part of my life. Right. And I honestly think I'd be really scared to just meet somebody. Same. I and like, a, like on a dirt road in the dark, like. Let me meet you in a field at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like this is the, and maybe it's because we're women. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, these are, these yeah, are male yeah, characters. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. might be just because I'm, we're women, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, Mm-mm, that's not safe. <laughs> yeah. I, same thing. I was like, you could get murdered. What are you yeah. doing? Like, I'm not judging you wanting to have anonymous, like one time sex, knock yourself out. Yeah. But I ain't going to meet a stranger in a field no, at 3am no. because, Mm-mm. yep, I, that's, that is a surefire way to get yourself kidnapped. Yeah. Um, well, and I also find it 
you know, the more I think about interesting that they use almost gender neutral names also. Marion, Shannon. Yes. Kendall. Um, and his, the mother of his child. Mm-hmm. Ironically, and they even reference it. Like mm-hmm. what, her, her given name was Ger- not Gertrude, something like that. Yeah, something. They, her yeah. nickname was Girly. Yeah. And she, like the character talks at one point about, I wanted to be anything but who wants to be called, literally called girly. girly. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, uh, you know, and I think names, I think we're, I, again, another intentional piece it, and important because it was, yeah. He talks a lot about, you know, I want to find, you know, the characters wanting to find their true name or find mm-hmm. their Ojibwe name in the process, mm-hmm. which I was like, well, I didn't know that that's how that works. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me that you don't, you don't pick your Native American name. Yeah. It, you, somebody else, you know, there's like a, I don't know, remember what they called it, but the, there's a person, you know, if yeah. it's your shaman or, you know, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a person in your community whose job it is to uncover your true name. Well, and I think ironically, again, pop culture, which is not where we should be getting our history from. I only knew that from um, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's where I learned about like the names and the sweat lodges and all of that. Was I on mean, Dr. Quinn. you know, if your public school system isn't going to do the proper job of teaching you those important yeah. parts of history, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get them somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and hope they're right. And hope they're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it was that sweat lodge when he was, you know, they were doing for picking the name that led him to have the vision. Yes. Of like Kendall would be. And when he left the sweat lodge, he gets a call from Shannon, who is watching his dog, that the dog's gone. Yeah. And he and went, I know, know exactly where yeah, they are. Because of the vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I liked the, those, those elements and it was almost as though, despite the fact that Marion was pushing back so hard on the, mm-hmm. you know, like his, his stepdad, you know, mm-hmm. ugh, you know, fry bread, whatever you're eating, yeah. you know, the Indian quote unquote Indian way. And how Marion mm-hmm. at one point said it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, he still has these experiences. He is still so intimately tied to that culture and, you know, eventually got to those elements where he's like, I can't, I can't turn my back on this. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can be dismissive of a fry bread taco. Cause let's be honest, it probably was not happening 200 years ago. No, no. But these other things that have been part of that culture. Although they are delicious. For, Sorry. I mean, I, I mean for good food is good food, man. Yeah. Side note. I just discovered that, uh, the country that eats the most tacos in this world mm-hmm. is Mexico. Do you know what the country that eats the second most tacos in this world is? Where? Norway. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Japan reads the most comic books. Number two okay. country, Norway. My people are apparently having a grand old time. There's only 5 million people <laughs> in that country. They're having uh-huh. a blast. Sorry. I mean, when tacos yeah. come up, we have to take a minute yeah. for taco well, appreciation. I, mean, I do have... Um, over there that says I love tacos it's going to become a blanket pretty soon so anybody who doesn't love tacos that includes fry bread tacos Mm -hmm. is completely sus in my book my mom when she was here she's like you guys eat a lot of Mexican food she's like can we have something else I'm like why 
when you have a choice, why would you eat something besides tacos? We do eat a lot of tacos in our house. I mean, half of your household is Norwegian. Nah, true. I'm, I'm just yeah. going to say. Very true. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Sorry. Back to the book. <laughs> Taco side note. Done. Uh, we'll see how many more times that happens in this season. <laughs> Tacos are amazing. So. Oh, yes. oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, I was actually looking up and I had read um, a couple of reviews. So this is a very positive reviews. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to say, um, but there was one that I read on publishers weekly mm-hmm. said some things where I was like, that's a little negative. I, I don't think I would take it quite that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what was it? You know, he talked about, um, he was like, it's a promising, but slack debut. I didn't think it was slack. No, I, I do think now talking through it with you, I think it's stylistically something different than I've read and Mm -hmm. I had to adjust, you know, and that's, that's part of why I read. I don't want to read things that are always the same and familiar Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't ever learn anything. Um, he talks about the, the sweat lodge. He says, Marion encounters an otherworldly dog, a manadon or revenant follows into the grave of, of, oh, Caden, Caden. Kalir. Um, he seeks to find what it wants. He says a visit to a sweat lodge ceremony with a wonderfully render, rendered medicine man leads to the discovery that spirits are real, not a stupid superstition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that like reminded me, yeah, that, that, that part, like that was something where that whole section with the sweat lodge and, and that, that medicine man, I was like, mm-hmm. I can, I can visualize everything. I can feel, I feel uncomfortable when he's talking about the heat. And um, I like when a book Mm -hmm. does that where I can like, I'm suddenly immersed in that whole thing. It didn't happen all the time in this one, but that was one of the places. Well, I looked on Goodreads, like reviews from um, like other readers, Mm -hmm. not like formal reviews. Um, and a lot of them said the same things. I think we did that. They really loved the story, but it fell short with too many narrators almost and mm-hmm. the flow. But then there were several reviews that gave it way higher ratings and way more positive that said it was an honest depiction of Native American storytelling, which I think is also something I don't know enough about. And oh, yeah. And so it's entirely possible it is written more in a format of how Native Americans would tell a story, like oral yeah. story. Yeah. And again, something that's not part of my life and ha- my culture, which was an interesting way to look at it. Now that makes me want to mm-hmm. do some digging on story culture. Yes, you know, and Native American mm-hmm. story culture and how stories mm-hmm. are told, um, you know, because everything that I've ever, I mean, truly been exposed to has been through the the lens of white society. Yeah. Same. You know, even, um, you know, that, very, that little small town that I lived in, Lake Wilson, Minnesota, mm-hmm. like 15 miles from Pipestone. If you ever find yourself in that corner of Minnesota, um, I highly recommend. So Pipestone is... 
one of the, if not the only remaining active pipestone quarry mm. in the country. Interesting. Um, and they have like a whole like visitor center mm-hmm. and I still have somewhere in a box in somewhere in my <laughs> home, um, like pieces of like hand carved, mm-hmm. like you can go and see, and they're actively working in the quarry mm-hmm. and there are native Americans that are using it. You know, you can obviously buy, you know, pieces in their gift shop that are made mm-hmm. by, um, made by members of the community and there's a whole like nature trail. And so there's, you know, pieces of it that they're really working to try to preserve. And, um, in my nine year old, 10 year olds eyes, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, very fascinating. And it was something that was very different because to me, it was like, Oh, I've never seen anything like this anywhere else. I don't, Mm -hmm. the adult me now questions. Yeah. How much of that was legit. Like they also used to do a they did the song of Hiawatha pageant mm. every year where it was like somebody read the, mm-hmm. the poem. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's by Tennyson, you know, it starts out on the shores of Gitche And I know yep. that because I went to the pageant every summer for five years <laughs> <laughs> and it happened at sundown, but it was, it, I enjoyed it because it was a lot of the culture of that area and there was Native American dance and you saw the costumes and I'd never been exposed to anything like that. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, in the late seventies and early eighties, I think it was sort of the the safe place for white mm-hmm. parents to bring their white kids to, you know, experience something a little bit different. And that was all very shiny and glossy mm-hmm. and This just sort of reopened my eyes to, you know, he talks about powwows and he talks about the celebrations, but he also talks about not maybe the seedier side, but like that, Mm -hmm. that underbelly that people aren't like, oh, hey, look at this part too. Yeah. It's this beautiful powwow on these dances, but then there's also, you know, the, the, the challenges and the problems with Mm -hmm. substance abuse and poverty and, you know, like you said, the, the same generational mm-hmm. mistakes or the same generational, um, the word escapes me, that trauma that just keeps yep. repeating itself. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when the country that you live in has shit on you as much as we have, the Native oh, American yeah. population, mm-hmm. how do you escape from under generations of that? And I think he, without saying those words out loud, I think he captures that pretty well. Yeah. And I book. mean, and it wasn't touched on a lot. I mean, I would have liked to have known a little more about the corruption within the tribal council. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, very it was- briefly touched on, which I think probably is fair if you're doing it where you're only knowing what they know, like what Marion knows. Right. You know, or what whoever's talking knows you wouldn't know all about it. Right. I need, so, um, Dennis, if you're listening, (laughs) I need you to write a sequel that talks more about like, you know, from those that were involved in the gangs, I need the whole, like the, the, all the drama with the tribal council. I need to know like what happens to Brenda. What Mm -hmm. about Brenda? That's the, there, there's your next, the sequel or, to this town sleeps was it what Maya about, like in Maya his yeah. daughter yeah yeah 
where's Maya? And what about Brenda? There's, you know, now you have a whole series of books about Geshig and life. I'm trying on to see the- if Dennis Staples is on um, Twitter. Mm. I would, upon first read, I would give this book a solid three and a half tacos out of five. Well, I was going to ask on a scale of um, Twilight being a one and Interview with the Vampire being a 10, where you would put it. Oh, this is like, he is definitely not Twilight. (laughs) No. Um, Not up to Anne Rice yet. I would say, and on that scale, I would give this like seven out of 10 fangs. (laughs) Nice. Three and a half out of five tacos. No, I'll just I think, make up my own rating scales. <laughs> I mean, I think it's an amazing debut novel. I mean, yes. I, like, and I've read some bad, bad first novels. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and I, I mean, this, I, I thought as a, you know, for a, for a first novel mm-hmm. as a non-writer, really strong. And I, it is something that I am going to read again. And I would bet you money that after I finish it a second time, my rating will probably go up <laughs> because now I'm going to pick up on things. Now I'll have context for some of that. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to notice things that I did not catch the first time. And you know, I think that's to me, if I, if I know that I'm going to reread the book at some point, then that's a definite win. This is going to, well, I was going to say, it's going to find a spot on my shelf, but mm-hmm. not all my books fit on the shelves that I have. I'll say he, he's not on Twitter, no problem. which is a shame, but I bet you could reach out to him through the, uh, company that produces or that published this Published counterpoint. counterpoint counterpointpress.com yeah we'll see if we can find any social media for mr uh staples that we can throw out there yeah definitely check it out um if you're looking for something different and exposing yourself to you know maybe something that you haven't read before and to to cultures that especially if you know like us you're not part of the the native culture but want to have some exposure and and learn a little bit more. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I should reread it a second time because I think I will have a totally different view on it reading Mm -hmm. it a second time. I think it'll, it'll matter too. Like you said, we both went Mm -hmm. in thinking it was going to be one direction of a mystery and it turned into something different. And now that I have the right expectation Mm -hmm. and the right context, I think that I'll get a lot more out of it. My brain isn't going to struggle to adjust midstream. I'm going to know, I'm going to know how deep that pool is when I go Mm -hmm. in. Oh, it's in Chicago. Well, you know, maybe I'll share a link to this too. If you're in Chicago, December 20th at 7 p.m., Dennis E. Staples is doing an event at the Gay Men's Book Club or Gay Men's Book Group in Chicago talking about This Town Sleeps. If I were in Chicago, I would definitely check it out. I'm going to bookmark this so I can share the link when we post about the nice. recording. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I I would give it, I think I would go six or seven things. Yeah. I think if I reread it too, I'd have a totally different viewpoint. And I would definitely pick up another novel. Yes, I would. I would definitely read more of his work. And I'm actually intrigued by his work um, that he did 
for that Nightmare magazine. Oh, yes. Uh, the science fiction and Nightmare magazine. I'd be really intrigued to read his work from that. Yes. Asimov's science fiction and two separate, not science fiction and Nightmare, <laughs> but Asimov's science fiction magazine, period. Mm. Nightmare magazine, period. <laughs> I, I will say also, Mr. Staples, get yourself some social media so we can all, you know, sing your praises. Absolutely. Um, and so later this month, we'll be having more local works, more um, works dealing with the Native American culture. Awesome. Great. I'm looking Thanks. forward to it. We got a poetry book coming up that I've already we been do. dipping my fingers yes. into that looks fascinating and is something that is going to challenge how I read. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's uh, highly rated and pretty deep and I'm, I'm excited to have some poetry and we have some ghost stories coming up, which I'm also very intrigued by. I mean, cause we got to keep it. Got to keep a little spookiness going. Got to keep it spooky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks. Bye. The Fangirls Library is part of the AFP Network. Music and artwork by Trevor Nelson. Mastering by Moving Air Studios. You can find us on Twitter at Fangirl Library. On Patreon at Fangirls Library. On Instagram at Fangirls Library Podcast. The Fangirls Library.